The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to those expressing them and do not necessarily reflect the OSA Foundation Incorporated or any other group or individual. This podcast may contain dialogue or subject material that could be considered for mature audiences only. All aspects of how you play the game and the OSIP Foundation Incorporated are protected by copyright and other state and federal intellectual property laws. Unauthorized use without the express written consent of the OSIP Foundation Incorporated is strictly prohibited. If you're interested in sponsoring how you play the game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org. Your sponsorship may be tax deductible. Well, it's that time again. No, it's not time to go get tickets to another Boys to Men concert. It's time for How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the OSIP Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack Furlong, with you. We talk to you as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. It is the first episode of the month of March. The year is 2023. So glad you can be with us. As always, check us out online at osipfoundation.org. Contact the show with the email address podcast at osafoundation.org or on social media, facebook.com slash osafoundation, Twitter and Instagram at osafoundation, hashtag how you play the game. This is another episode in our series of interviews that have followed our participation at the consortium in Indianapolis. And uh, I'm very happy to have on someone today that uh, was referred from someone that I met there. And uh, he is the senior manager of partner development in all territories for the Positive Coaching Alliance. My guest is Mr. Jason Pratt. Jason, welcome. How you doing, man? I'm good. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure. Um, I just wanted to, to 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 ask you about something. I was doing the research. Uh, you worked for uh, Boys to Men before you took this job. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm in the pardon me. I'm in the Philly Burbs, and they had a recording studio um, that has a lot of history to it. Actually, that um, all different types of musical genres have recorded there, from DJ Jazzy Jeff to White Snake and everything. And yeah, so I had a great upper. I majored in broadcasting. I've worked in different you know areas related to that, and had a little stint there where um, I was doing some some pretty low level grunt work for them, but I enjoyed it. Well, hey, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. As a professional musician myself, I'm going to make sure that I connect with you on LinkedIn. So love it, love it. <laughs> so, so we wanted we wanted to, to to bring you on to talk a little bit. Why don't you start by talking a little bit about uh, Positive Coaching Alliance, uh, its mission, its history, uh, what it sets out to accomplish, everything that's kind of that 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 first step, so that we can learn about the organization. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Well, you know, mission statements are only as as strong as they are carried out, but I think we do a really good job working to carry out ours. So I'll start with mentioning our mission statement, which is to change the culture of, of youth sports so that every child, regardless of their social or economic circumstance, has access to a positive youth sports experience. Um, and, you know, when we talk about a positive youth sport experience, ultimately we're talking about an experience where young people, which could be five years old through even high school, like anywhere in that range, can we get these kids access to somebody who truly has their best interests at heart, who understands things like empathy and the power of sports to teach life skills, which will last long after one's playing days are done, but also Mm -hmm. become immediately impactful and beneficial in their lives as they are now in the classroom, at home, and any part-time jobs that they get. We focus on areas that include developing a growth mindset and the skills that one would associate with social and emotional learning and really using sports, any sport, any right. competitive level um, as a teacher of, you know, of those kinds of things. You're right. That's, and, and that's, and that's so amazing. Cause, cause we, we, we obviously know we, we see the stories of, 
uh, you know, the statistics, everything under the sun that points to the need for 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 people in your position in your 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 company in your position to 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 provide that. Um, I know it's kind of another boilerplate type question. Um, what kind of situations, behavior, other issues that do you see regularly that need to be addressed specifically by PCA? Yeah, so it's, you know, we have programming that's designed to um, support all key stakeholders in an organization, coaches, parents, athletes, and even the board of directors. And part of that is because there's a need in each right. of those areas. So, you know, it's it's all over the board. Um, from a coach standpoint, it, it could be uh, from a more obvious, you know, perspective, it could be the the inappropriate, over-the-top, you know, Bobby Knight throwing chairs out right. on the court type coach, all the way down to somebody who really gets it. They're bought in, they're positive, but they just need some extra tools, some extra skills. Maybe they get the idea of positivity, but they're not yet that comfortable with the idea of empathy and how mm. that would be applied and how they coach. Little tweaks and anything in between. Um, parents, again, could be cops being called out, you know, and, and really needing to dig in on perspective. Um, or it could be just, you know, helping parents to understand that the conversation that you have in the car on the way home may or may not be the right time. Your child may or may not be interested in that conversation. Right. You know, the nuances and importance of asking permission to have that conversation, making sure the timing is right. And then what are the kinds of things that you focus on so that your child can have the most positive most fun, but also, you know, learn the most that year, kind of an experience in their sports um, world. And then, you know, even boards of directors, you know, we're running organizations as volunteers in most cases, you know, generally the president of a little league or the vice president of a soccer club, they don't, they don't do that for a living, right? Realtors and who knows, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so what kind of support can we bring them? to help make sure that they feel like they're creating the culture ultimately that leading from the top down is going to foster these kinds of things that we're talking about. Makes sense. Um, I really like the fact that, you know, you, 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 you set the, the entire spectrum, the, the Bobby Knight stuff, which is, you know, obviously what gets a lot of the play because of the, the nature of the conflict, but the fact that you also go all the way to the other side of people who do buy in, but just aren't sure how to buy in almost. And, you know, you just say, listen, we're, we're just so appreciative that you that you are with us. Let us provide you with all the resources that you may need to to do that. I mean, I, I feel like that kind of a thing doesn't get enough attention. And it's it's such a wonderful thing that, you know, you you recognize that um, because because those resources can be can be so valuable to to that person and to really anybody if you think about it yeah i appreciate you saying that and you know when we think about like you again checking back to bobby knight we know his name in part because he threw chairs onto the court and in part because he won a lot of games yeah so that's not to say that if you have a bobby knight approach to whatever sport you coach you can't possibly win right possibly might if you have developed a if, if you have brought together a team of individuals that are skilled enough and, you know, th- that team could win. But essentially what you're getting out of them through that approach mm-hmm. is the athlete will do just enough to stay the heck off your radar. Right. And, okay, that could translate into winning a game, a se- you know, a tournament, whatever the case may be. At the same time, though, the term coach comes from stagecoach. Mm-hmm. 
you're here and you want to get there. My job is to help you get there. And so the best way to do that is to figure out how to get the most out of each individual on your team. And if you do that, you're going to win a lot of games too, but you're also fulfilling the actual definition of your role as coach. Mm -hmm. Nothing about the term coach originated from winning games. It had to do with goal achievement and things like that. And so really putting that focus back on where it needs to be. And oh yeah, by the way, people like Phil Jackson and Steve Young and Steve Kerr and all these great people who are behind PCA, you know, they buy in on all of this stuff. And I think they have a certain reputation for success as well. So it's a it's the kind of thing that puts that focus on a positive youth experience, puts a focus on mastery, growth mindset, social and emotional learning, and directly translates. Yeah. Onto, you know, game game day results as well. As so it seems fair, like I, as, I, as I'm preparing for this, I'm, I went back over my, my, my coaching history and I coached baseball for years from of all levels and I don't have any kids. So this was all, like you said, it's all volunteer work. Um, you know, it, it was throughout my twenties and thirties and whatnot. And um, I always made it a point to say that I need to balance positivity with the objective of winning, you know, sportsmanship, good sportsmanship and good chemistry, if you will, will 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 take care of the scoreboard essentially you know um is is that a fair example of of the positivity that is needed during coaching to to understand that yes we do have a we do have an objective to to win um it's not all about the participation trophies etc but it doesn't have to come at the expense of you know uh, anything that we might deem to be unfair or unethical etc yeah, but yes, and there's so if we if we have this mental approach to the game that focuses on the effort mm -hmm. that focuses on today, I'm going to really make sure that I'm developing my athletes' sense of self control and resilience, and I'm going to do what I can to make them better problem solvers, independent problem solvers, teamwork problem solvers. I'm going to take that next step towards getting them out here competing without the fear of making mistakes and all of the things that unlocks with how they compete. All of these are attributes that are absolutely directly tied to life. We don't, we don't, as far as I know, I don't ever expect to reach an age where I don't have to exhibit self-control anymore. That's fair. It would probably be fun. I don't <laughs> big that happening. These are life skills. But each one of these things also, if this is the focus, will be absolutely a guiding principle from which your team collectively will strive to win games too. Because resilience, uh, problem, sol like problem solving is a part of every sport. In fact, it's the thing about sports that makes sports so much fun. Yeah. It's the puzzles and the strategies and counter tactics and all the stuff that just is involved in that. So yes, I think. Now, having said that, you know, there's times too where I, as a coach, have found myself, okay, hold on, I, I have an initial reaction I want to have right now, but in my head, I'm thinking, like, what's the right response in this moment? Because right. I know the kids want to win this game, but this thing happened, and do I need to address that right now, which could get in the way of us winning this game? And at the end of the day, you know, I think if we – if we remember what culture we're trying to create, it, it becomes pretty obvious what the right move is in a given situation. 
That makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. You know, I, I we we seem to forget that you know we're human beings and we're not robots. You know, and we and you know it requires such a thought process, such a protocol uh, as coaches to you know just see if you can pump the brakes or hit the pause button ever so gently and to make that kind of a of an assessment in that moment not always the easiest thing to do nobody nobody's perfect we're going to make mistakes but the more we can aim for that goal you know the 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 better we're going to find ourselves creating that culture you know that 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 you mentioned does that make sense yeah and jack I, look i'm before i ever heard of pca i i've always been a pretty positive mindset mm-hmm. you know kind of kind of person and before i heard of pca i was already incorporating aspects of fun and lightheartedness into into practice and i would i'm a soccer guy primarily Mm -hmm. so i'd make sure that i'm moving my players around and you know doing all the things that i know are just best practices right Um, despite yeah all right this person says her favorite position is defender but i feel like she needs some time up top you know to kind of get that skill set and that strategy down and that sort of thing i'm all that stuff. And here, again, this is before I want to put a big asterisk on this. This is before PCA. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I found myself at a tournament one one year. I think we were probably a U10 team Okay. by this point. And uh, we, it was late in the game. Um, and basically, we were likely heading to penalty kicks. Okay. And um, I probably was about four minutes away from that. And... For those who don't know soccer, the people on the field are those who take the penalty kicks. Like if you're not on the field, you're not involved in the process unless certain situation developed. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted in my head, I thought to myself, I justified these girls fought so hard. They competed so hard today. It's one, one. We both earned our goals. I want them to enjoy this win. I'm going to try and get that for them. And there was a girl standing next to me named Leah who I, who was due to like time wise, she was due to schedule back in. She was by my side because she knew that Mm -hmm. she knew it was her turn. But in my head, I'm going, geez, sometimes when I put Leah out, she doesn't even run the right direction out there. Right. Which I've never cared about before. She's having fun right now in this moment. For some reason, my thoughts were shifting and I didn't put her in. Um, And I don't even remember if we won or lost on PKs, but I remember after, the game was over. I looked down and she was in tears. And uh, and so I said, Leah, what's wrong? She said, I really wanted to get back in the game. Next thing you know, I'm in tears too. Just going, yeah. what did I do now? Those there's mo- These moments can creep up on us. Yeah, yeah. So it's important to have like a baseline of something really strong, tried and tested and research-based that you can just rely on, trust the process style. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure, and like you said, I mean, that's a, that's a learning moment and a teachable moment for you as much as it is for anyone else. You know, we, we, you know, we forget that we're always growing, we're always adapting, we're always learning, and we're never too old to stop that, you know? So, so, so those are the, as it's as sad as that might have made you in the moment, it's, there's, there's a beautiful side to that because of what you were able to get out of that. You know, and to me, that that holds that's worth its weight in gold just as much. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's hard for me to to still um, justify the tears that I saw. But I will say I've been at Positive Coaching Lines for over 12 years now. And that moment has driven me every day of those 12 and a half years. That's beautiful. I absolutely love that. I, I mean, I I I feel I, I feel that because I've seen that as well. And. You know, I, 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 I just, I can recall stories where, 
similar things would happen with me. And you know, there you would you would, it's it's a tough gig. It is a tough gig when you are a human being and you are placed in those situations. You know, and you have to learn how to balance that. You have to learn, you know, what really matters. It's 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 not easy. Um, but through the power of positivity and good sportsmanship and everything under the sun, you know, I, we can all find, I think the right, uh, the right solution to that. Um, you know, I, I can recall times where I would say to my baseball team, like, look, you know, I can only play nine guys at a time. You know, I, I can't, I'm not, you know, I'm not a Superman here and can bend the rules, but I'm going to get you in every game if I can, you know, and, and if I can't, for whatever, you know, 10 run rule, mercy rule or rain comes or whatever the case may be, I'm going to make sure you start in the next game. You know, like th these are the things that matter, you know, in that, you know, un unless I have to discipline you for something, I, I got to make sure you're getting into the game. But that also gives me an opportunity to say, OK, I can tell you are going to be a fantastic relief pitcher. So you're not going to start the game, but you have such value to this team coming in from the bullpen, you know, and that's another way to kind of to cultivate that, you know, through the power of, of positivity, it seems. Does that does that kind of ring true with with the message here? Yeah, I think for the most part, I'd love to dig in with that with you on that. So the the child who is going to come in as like a closer or mm -hmm. relief pitcher, um, is that I've never coached baseball. I played okay. little league, never coached baseball. Is that because of an endurance issue with the child, with a skill set issue that you've identified, what's kind of behind that? It's a little of both. I'll, I can re I can recall two situations specifically with that. One of them was so so the the, the age I was coaching at, at this time for both of these kids was between fifteen and nineteen years old. So one kid was just a tall drink of water. Like this kid was, you know, think think six five at least for a kid that young okay but he was he was thin as a pole and he could bring it but i also knew that he didn't have the stamina in his body to go a long period of time and i also knew that because he was throwing you know in the high 80s for this you know for 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 something you know this you know kids this young so to speak I, I, you know, I looked at the strategy of the team and I said, look, I, here are the other pitchers we have on the team. These guys don't throw as hard as you. You're gonna, If you come in as our closer, okay, you're going to blow people away and you're going to rack up and save these games for us left and right. And, and something, you know, something clicked about that. And he said, I, I kind of like this. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, the kid turned out to be a little bit of a bust because in our very first game, um, we had we had like a like a seven nothing lead and the pitch count of our starter was so low I let him pitch the whole game and then and the closer got upset with me and quit the team yeah you know and I and I and I and I had to say to him you know like I, I'm really sorry but you do understand like situations dictate you know certain certain things you know I got you in the game in another way and whatnot you know but you know I'm you know if, if it's you know I didn't realize it was going to be that big of a deal I'll get you in the next game we'll do you know but he wasn't having any of it. Now, the flip side, I had another kid who wasn't that good of a baseball player, and he knew it, but he wanted to keep playing, and I was happy to have him on my team. And he was a side armor. So, so he realized that he had a skill set where, you know, I can, I, he can drop down and throw and really confuse hitters. And, and I said to him, I want you to cultivate this because I think you have a gift here. And sure enough, he came in 
and pitched in, I would say, about half the games that, that we had and, and played such a valuable role to bridge us from the starting pitcher to whomever the closer might be. You know, and 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 I and I really tried to run with that. And I said, I said, Zach, you 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 are a godsend. You you don't realize how valuable you are and what kind of a role you are playing. And sure enough, the kid appreciated it. And I was able to really, really build that kid up. And you know, he he comes back, he says, and this was a great experience. I know I'm not, you know, the 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 greatest baseball player ever, but I got put into these situations where, you know, I got to shine. I had I had great success. I had a lot of fun learned a lot it was a fantastic experience and and you know that that melts my heart to, to know that those kids or this kid in, in particular was able to, to to kind of see the forest for the trees and then also uh you know realize that there are there are many different components to the bigger machine and we ended up winning a lot of those games because of how well he pitched yeah yeah and i think sometimes when you have those athletes on your team that are clutch or just kind of even at the younger ages sometimes in certain sports like for example soccer i mean speed kills in soccer right. so yep. you can have now by a certain age um, most likely people have caught up to that person in speed mm -hmm. that's just so often how you see it play out but you have that player that just is lights out in one way or another and i think one thing we want to avoid something pca calls the talent trap mm -hmm. and so that's where you know when we have conversations with that individual you know, we're focused on what is st what still lies ahead. If we focus right. too much on, you know, their skill set at the moment, it could develop a mindset in them that like, okay, I've made it. I'm at the destination. And so it's like we want to acknowledge and get excited about the fun things and exciting successes that they're, you know, responsible for out there in their right. way, while also having those conversations that tell us or really that tell them like, hey, if you keep working at this then blah you know like keep those kinds of conversations going so that we don't foster an alan iverson who's at a press conference where right. say, we're talking about yeah. practice yep well, how can i have an how can i make my teammates better yeah you know that sort yep. of thing no that's but a lot of times it's you know like with any conversation it's nuances of moments that alter the outcome of the conversation and maybe it's very clear to us in the moment maybe we just missed how it came across but a lot of times those those are some of the key moments in how we develop a relationship with those kids and how we foster their mindset as competitors and those kinds of things it, it seems to me that it's you know it it goes back to not what you say but how you say it too you know it's yeah. it's you know these these opportunities present themselves and choosing the right words can be you know the difference in saying something and having it heard versus saying something and having it not heard or misinterpreted you know you can you can take the same idea the same thought the same sentence and express it three different ways and get three different outcomes um you know and and and, and you're not you don't have to you know you don't have to lay it on thick like it's a you know like you're really trying to you know butter somebody up but you can you know by choosing words correctly and choosing emotion and body language correctly you know that power of positivity can can you know, convince or persuade someone to see it your way or to take that advice and to take them to the next level. Yeah. And to your point about how you say things, um, there's a section in, um, in our work that, that we, where we refer to praise mm -hmm. and, you know, the studies indicate that saying good job, like Jack, you're, you're running a, a, a podcast here. If I just say 
Hey, Jack, thanks for that. Good job. Your emotional reaction to that will be almost nil. Right. But if I say, Jack, those are really good questions. I'm so, we engaged, that was such great conversation. And I'm more specific about the praise. So you know exactly what it is that I was impressed by, happy with, that I noticed, I acknowledged, um, makes all the difference in the world. And But we see it all the time, even at the professional level. Um, but certainly at the youth level, you know, kids sub off or whatever, and the coach says, good job. Well, there's nothing wrong with good job. Right. It's just not that effective as opposed to, wow, I saw you make that run down the flank. And even though they didn't pass the ball to you, you pulled the defender with you and opened up a passing lane that, that really was key for us. You know, good job with that. Right. Now that they're going to have an emotional reaction to, and they can do something with it too. That also tells them what is the behavior my coach wants to see. It's, it's so funny to me because all of these things as you said so eloquently earlier these are the lessons that we can take into every part of our life you know as you're saying these 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 things about how you know how we can specifically complement these things you you reference the podcast and i'm thinking how many times in any other profession any other endeavor that i have can i make a bigger difference by 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 choosing my words correctly and in a way making it you know a, a persuasive thing you know you you build allies you build friendships that way you 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 know use the power of your words to to show people you know how invested you are in them and and that you know that's not just reserved for sports or competition that is one of the many things that we take into every aspect of our lives as we grow up for sure imagine you know an interview mm-hmm Usually the difference between the person who gets the op- opportunity and, and the one they pass on is, isn't related to the resume or they wouldn't be talking to you in the first place. Right. Yeah, it's about it's about the conversation. Um, speaking of said conversation, how how can the power of of such positivity be even used in in, let's say, bad situations? How can how can coaches use, you know, the, the teachings of PCA following something like a loss or a defeat? to help younger athletes get better. Does does the research show that that positively tends to continue to yield winning results or does that even matter in that type of a situation? Yeah, I mean there's there's a lot of different research out there on on these topics including that certainly for that. Um and it, I'll give you two two responses anecdotally. After a loss if that team goes to the pizza shop mm-hmm. and they get pizza because it's the last game of the year and it was planned from the very beginning but they happen to lose the game. Even if it was a tough loss, by the time you get to the pizza shop and you have your root beer and your slice in front of you and your teammates are around you, if you look at the body language of the kids and just watch them interact with each other, they're having a blast eating this pizza and drinking the root beer. And and if anybody's upset still about the loss, it's probably the adults, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that... um, but you know, immediately after the game or or at certain as you get into certain age groups, where the pressure of that game was a little bit heightened and um, maybe that loss caused them to fall short of a goal where maybe seven-year-olds aren't setting goals, but high schoolers are, you know, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Well, then the script changes a little bit in terms of the loss impact on that athlete. But even then it, you know, I think there's things you can do. There's, there's, you could do, we have this thing called winter circle where after the game we get together and we, we point out what each other, like something that somebody else on my team did really well in that game, regardless of the result on the scoreboard. Right. I noticed this person did made, you know, 
made contact with the ball. And even though it went straight to the second baseman and they probably were going to be out, man, they dug in and ran down to first yeah. that they had. I noticed that. And I'm going to appreciate that. And then mm-hmm. somebody else appreciates something. And by the time you're done with this, we all feel so good about the game, regardless of the... Now, again, like if, if it was the state championship game for high school or something right. like that, you know, it might take a little bit longer because you're thinking more yeah. about stuff like that. And you put more weight on it and, and those kinds of things. But there are definitely tricks and tactics that get into the mind and, and put perspective on the thing. And at the end of the day, like I just shared a story with you from uh, about Leah, right? Mm-hmm. I literally don't remember if we won or lost that game. Yeah. And I'm sure the team doesn't either because I've checked in with, with athletes that I've coached about past games and almost never remember the results. Yeah. So let's not feed into that and have them put more pressure or more negative thoughts about. Now, maybe it's not a result. Maybe it was a moment in the game. Well, now we have tools that you that can have that you could use in the fly something like a mistake ritual mm-hmm. where we have an agreed upon thing we're going to do on our team so i took a shot i didn't i it was just me and the goalkeeper and i missed the frame altogether it was such an advantageous situation for me and i and i didn't even hit the frame on this shot and jack you're on my team you see my shoulders drop my head is down i'm not hustling back to play defense i'm out you could see i'm stuck on that moment right you might as try and make eye contact with me and do this thing, whether it's a flushing moment, like you're flushing a toilet or wiping your head across your forehead saying like, no sweat. The point is we, your teammates are over that moment. Mm-hmm. As long as you're not, it's 11 V 10 right now, yeah. whatever the situation might be. And uh, if we're over it, hopefully you can join us and also be over it. Yeah. Let's move on. So there's things you can do even within the competition to help. It's so funny that you say that I, I, I experience the same thing sometimes as an official, you know, I've been umpiring baseball now for 16 years and, you know, I feel the same way sometimes if I, if I, there's a close call and, you know, coach questions me or whatever the case may be, I find myself rerunning that over and over and over again. And I, and I'm obviously trying to continue to do my job, but it would almost feel, feel better if a coach, you know, which I know it's not going to happen, but if a coach, you know, kind of did that same thing, the wipe of the brow or the flush and say, Hey, I'm over it. You can be over it. Let's move on. You know, that's yeah. that, that I mean, that because especially in youth sports, I always say to to the coaches, we may be wearing different uniforms, but you as the coach and me as the official, we're on the same team here to make sure that these kids have the best possible experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you can picture I mean, you're the you're, you're an umpire, so you hear stuff all the time, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Like if you just reverse the situation. So pre-reverse, coach yells, oh, come on, that was out of the zone. Right. Whatever. If you reverse the situation, wherever have you ever at any level watched a game where an umpire said, what are you doing? I'm sending them around third in that situation. Right. <laughs> this never happens. Let each other just do your things mm-hmm. and understand that we're all humans. We're going to make mistakes. And it's what what prevents that from happening is one of a couple things. You know, it's either this focus on I have to win or if it's a focus on feeling like they're being judged by moments and they're trying to control as much as they can instead of letting the athletes, you know, control. Like that's a great moment. Let's say, let's say the ball is out of the zone and Mm -hmm. you called it a strike. Right. If the kid also saw it eight years old or whatever looks or 10 or whatever coach, whatever coach pitch starts. Oh my gosh, that was way high. Like it's a great struggle opportunity for that kid to practice, like, uh, I got to move on. The next pitch is coming. Mm-hmm. And if they don't move on, 
then that was a great rep to recognize like why am i still thinking of like that moment don't adults don't take that moment away from the kids life is going to have all sorts of moments oh god yeah good lord can we not use sports as an opportunity to learn how to struggle Mm -hmm. no you're absolutely right you're absolutely right um along along the same lines of that uh, a, a kind of a specific question when i was coaching and and i would you know have to address my team i always found as a coach that i didn't want to address them immediately after the game for two reasons one they're not listening and two i want to organize my thoughts and i would usually then take the time to cool down organize them and then send it out you know via email or something like that the next day uh, just so that every, you know, we've all kind of had time to digest it. Is that is that something that's appropriate and and in accordance with what you're thinking, or is it more important to try and highlight things immediately after you know the the game ends? So I'm assuming we're talking about a situation where you're reacting to a negative something that happened, usually like a loss or something like, or even I'll even sometimes do it sometimes where like, okay, we win. There were a couple of things I want to address though. And I'll say, I'll let me address that later when we're all, you know, cool, calm, collected, et cetera, you know, just because I want that message to get through. Yeah. I'd be interested if you pulled a lot of people on that, where Mm -hmm. the, where the numbers would fall. But I think that at the end of the day, I would lean towards, you know, focusing on the positives immediately after mm-hmm. I, I might not like my style, at least I might not even bring up the negatives. I might just work on it subtly in practice. Okay. Um, chances are th- th- at a certain age group and above, they probably know the, the mistake they made or the thing that went wrong or whatever. But even if they don't, there's not as much value in saying, unless it's your like high school and we're talking strategy or something. Right. Otherwise, like if it's a if it's a tactic or a technical skill, I probably would just start infusing it into some practices in the near future. Mm-hmm. See what goes wrong in practice. If if it's not going wrong in practice, then we just made a mistake. If it is going wrong in practice, then it's a coaching opportunity. And, and I look forward to the next time this comes up on a game day to test how I did as a coach to mm. teach. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. I, I think I think in my specific situation, the issue I had was we we rarely had the ability to practice once the season started. You know, you when you're dealing with 15 to 19 year olds and you're, you know, and, and they're not playing. I was usually doing like a senior Babe Ruth team, which is a step below, say, like your Legion team where you're playing seven days a week. You know, and a lot of kids would would come out and play for 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 this team so that they can continue to work, they can continue to have lives, et cetera. And I found it so difficult to even just have a practice sometimes. Mm-hmm. That was like my only option to 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 get it to them was to to just say, hey, just you know, have a read through this just to make sure. But it seems like if you have the practice opportunity, that uh, what you just said is the appropriate way to go. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I yes. Yeah, it's true. Certain high school age you know it's usually the games are hit, hitting so quickly that yeah. yeah you don't have a lot of and in that scenario i think that um i think i would 24 hour sort of cooling off period is good when like some if tempers are involved or something oh, yeah. escalated if it's really just a matter of like a strategic technical or technical thing that you want to point out i would probably turn the mic over to them first okay say what did you pick up on what's the good what's the bad what what do we need to work on before the next game and where were our successes and Mm -hmm. wins today and see what they come up with i'd be as the coach really curious what they're picking up on and what's sort of you know on their radar and then any blanks that they don't hit you could fill in you know that day or you know 
the next morning or like whenever you see them next. Yeah. Right. Now that's a, that's a great point. I I hadn't even thought about that, you know, where, where we want the kids to start the conversation and, and, and to, to, to guide them, you know, as a coach, you know, rather than, rather than just teaching them and having them regurgitate, you know, the, the information it's, it's where did, where, where did you have it? What did you think? And that builds up that, that relationship between the, the coach and the player so that you can better understand the strengths and weaknesses of the player and, and do your job better as a coach. Yeah. And understanding their mindset, what they're picking up on, that'll also tell you what is the level that I should be talking with them at, even when right. it comes to strategy and stuff. If they are saying, here's where we did really well and here's where we struggled, and they're talking about strategic and counter strategy things, then you're then you're probably like, holy smokes, okay, they're yeah. there. Yeah. That'd be helpful to know too. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I want to circle back to one thing. Uh, there was, you know, obviously all of PCA as I'm going through the the, the website and the resources. Uh, there's a major emphasis on social and emotional learning in the, in in the mission. That's that's always uh, it was it was a, a real big uh, keyword and talking point. Uh, can you talk about why the research points to the importance of this particular type of learning style? Yeah, so I think um, the first thing I'll, I'll mention is there's a group called the Laureus Group, and they they have a fairly recent study on SEL with sports, and their study actually uh, SEL has been for a while now a focus in the classrooms for mm-hmm. in a lot of schools because of you know the opportunity to use that group projects and the the social aspect of school as you know a a tool in the process of learning things like that but the laureus group study actually found that sports is the number one classroom for sel type um skill learning and development and i think part of what's behind that is the fact that you throw competition into the process too mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, SEL is a framework that includes things like self-management, self-awareness, social awareness, things that are certainly tied to sports, but also things that are characteristics that I think go a long way to develop one's emotional intelligence. You know, we're going to go into the classroom and we're going to study math and formulas and we're going to go to English and we're going to process some, you know, some books and poems and things like that. And we're going to go into science or we're going to talk about the world and the universe. And all of that is, is great. It's going to make you way more interesting at a trivia event or a a party one night in the future, for sure. Let alone prepare you for whatever it is you might do for a living. Right. Um, But these other skills, I think are part of the skills that well, we talked about like an interview earlier and stuff like that. These are the skills that will make you more comfortable in that interview will make you more likable to others will make you more comfortable at that dinner party or that networking event where you might otherwise be tempted to stand off to the side. Now it's fine. I'm totally comfortable. I'll go out and extend my hand or if we're not doing handshakes anymore, whatever we're doing, you know, and I'll introduce myself and we'll see. And, um, you know, the, the social aspect of life, I think is, you know, such a, a determinator determinator determinating characteristic of you know how terminator i'll tell you that much so yeah right yeah i think i made up a maybe a fun new word but yeah i think it's it's just really really critical to develop one's emotional intelligence when you can copy that with anything that you've learned from a a technical standpoint in these different classes i think you're pretty well prepared for life that i i would agree with that it's it's almost like sports are you know the, the the perfect marriage of 
yes, you're you're going through that, you know, that 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 practice phase where you're learning things and whatnot. Like you said, you know, the the equivalent of the math and the English and the science classrooms and whatnot, but then you're applying it and you're 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 getting a chance to see it in action. Right. And, you know, I can I can recall as I reflect on my life, you know, there was not, you know, I'm I'm 39 going on 40 physically and 12 mentally. Hmm. Um, you know, there 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 was not a lot in my uh experience at, with within education, you know, growing up in high school and whatnot, that gave me the chance to consciously apply what I was learning. You know, a lot of it was just here's the information, regurgitate it for the grade. And I'm sure there's still some of that out there in certain respects. And 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 in certain regards, certain walks of life, that's what you kind of need, but 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 not always. You know, there we need you know this this idea of being able to apply it, I think, even helps us just formulate who we are, what we want to do with our lives. Yeah, it's funny. I, I remember um thinking back to to times in like junior high school and probably high school too where i it was a regular occurrence for me taking a test that was multiple choice mm -hmm. and in my head i would read the question and think to myself i feel like if i could ask more follow-up questions i i would know the answer for sure but to me this question is worded more vaguely than i'm comfortable with because I want to throw the, what what about this same question in this scenario? Yeah. I feel like my answer might be different in that scenario, but you're not telling me which scenario. Right, right. You know, now there's entire charter schools for people that, you know, that kind of are more like kinetic learners and, you know, those kinds of things. And um, certainly my, my daughter's a fifth grade teacher in uh, Osceola County, Florida, near Kissimmee. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what I'm learning through her is that the curriculum still is pretty fairly similar to what it was when you and I were younger. Mm -hmm. Now it's up to the teacher to take that and turn it into like deliver it in a way that can involve the room instead of just yeah. speaking at the room. Do you think that that's, a, that's the right way to go because of the freedom that it gives the teacher? I think that it would be, if you were to say like kinetically, here's how you should, here's how you have to do this. Mm -hmm. It may not work for that person yeah. the, on the inverse. Like that person may not, that may not be a strength of that teacher. But I think that um, recognizing that a lot of the kids, probably even more now than when we were younger, um, prefer that learning style, um, giving teachers a method, maybe like here's some, here's five different examples of something you could do with your classroom to teach this in a more fun, right. more kinetic way that's going to involve them in the process more. And then if they see a few different examples, maybe it's not five, but if they see a few different examples, they understand what you're going for. And they can make it genuine to whatever their whatever fits their personality and style. I do very, think sim very similar to what you know PCA offers with the resources. It's someone who's on board, someone who 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 subscribes, but just doesn't know you know where, what the first step is. It's you know here start with this, see where this takes you. You know this yeah. is let me plant the seed, and then you know you cultivate it and let it grow. And you're gonna you know through experience and and whatnot, you'll develop your own way of reaching these kids. Yeah, yeah. Um. To, to to change subjects, you know, slightly. Uh, there was something else I, w I was noting while I was doing research and whatnot. I'm looking at the the National Advisory Board that 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 PCA has and whatnot. And obviously, you know, you 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 start scrolling through all the famous names and whatnot. And you're like, you know, you're like, wow, that guy, this person, that girl, all, all that stuff. Um, and it dawned something dawned on me. And this is this is obviously no reflection on on. 
PCA. It's more of an observation on professional sports uh, and the culture that we have right now. There, there, there is this, there, there, there is this belief in professional sports regarding the communication between coaches and officials that that comes off as potentially negative in a certain way. Um, I always like to describe it as the, you know, the, the 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 coach, the manager, whoever is defending his or her players to the official in in situations with bad calls and whatnot. And I've spoken with uh, a lot of major league umpires about this. And you know, at the professional level, it is it's twofold. First of all, they understand that it's not personal; it's part of the job because they you know they get measured on wins and losses and they need to do whatever they can to keep their jobs as managers and whatnot so they have to they they kind of have to do that and they make up very very quickly um but then the also the other thing is that uh a lot of it is phony actually at the professional level um you know i've i've heard i've had major league umpires tell me stories where they're basically like this this manager came out and was gesticulating to the whole crowd but he was just telling me about where he was going to dinner later that night you know, and and then told me I had to eject him just so that you know he could show his team that he was you know standing up for them, and and you know these stories you know don't trickle down to the lower levels to the point now where you know as again as an official, I hear these things at the high school level and been below that make me stop and say, I don't know if this is aligning with positive coaching. I know from my, pers- my my personal experience as a player, and I know I'm unique, I never wanted a coach to defend me to an official because if that coach gets ejected, I feel worse. Like, I bring that on myself in a certain... And I know that's a specific thing to me, but what, you know, what, how would you describe the, you know, the, the, the relationship there and how it relates to what PCA teaches? Is there, is there something in your resources that, that specifically addresses you know, the fact that coaches and officials are going to disagree from time to time and how that relates to the positivity that they still have to bring to their their players. Yeah, it's interesting. You started off referencing that National Advisory Board. Mm-hmm. And um, for people listening who are unfamiliar with, you know, what that board is, you know, made up of, some of the names include, I mentioned a few earlier, but Phil Jackson, Steve Young, you know, Julie Foudy, Steve Kerr, mm-hmm. Brad Stevens, Dusty Baker, just won the World Series. Yep. Like really, really high level pe- coaches, you know, players, Hall of Famers, etc., who are non compensated for their support of PCA, but they believe in what we do and what we talk about and the impact that PCA can have on communities, and so they get involved at that level. Um, having said that, they are professional. Right. coaches and players and that's where the delineation really comes from because and from their you know standpoint of things we're really talking about the entertainment industry it's for our entertainment that they're all doing these things they get paid a lot of money they take it really very seriously jobs right. are won and lost on results and things like that but that's the entertainment industry below that you know to some extent college plays into that too but you know more so division one than for example division three mm-hmm. certainly once you get to high school and below you know i think we all can agree that that ought to be more of a development foundation and not an entertainment foundation yes and so that's going to change you know the the formula a little bit and so um I've, I've heard those stories too about yeah coaches just like talking about dinner plans but, right yeah 
in a way that, you know, really will show that I want to motivate my team and let them know I've got their back and things like that. And there's probably some of that stuff happens in the youth level as well. But I think that's that's the real difference is that at the youth level, we're taking the Phil Jacksons of the world and saying, like, you've had your moments, I'm sure, as a coach, screaming and hollering about calls and whatever. Um, but he would never stand in front of a room of people who are coaching kids and say, that's what you should do at your level. Right. So it, on one hand, it sort of could come across as a bit hypocritical. But on the other hand, really not, because the goals are totally different. Yeah. Like, they're still hopefully they still need to develop when let's say stick with the NBA. They still, it's not like when they're drafted, they're the best they'll ever be. And they never get better. I mean, I guess that happens sometimes every now and then. Yeah. But I mean, hopefully with the right mindset, they're all continuing to develop and get Mm -hmm. better. There's no way LeBron would have broken the record that he broke on scoring points. Like if he just was only as good as when he first got drafted. Very true. And so yes, development still exists there, but there's definitely a heavy, like people, athletes get fired coaches get fired right because of performance a youth coach should never get fired volunteer or paid because of performance in my world at least i agree with that Um, yeah so i think that that is a pretty big delineator i i I totally agree with that do you think that and and unless unless i you know didn't do you know unless, unless it's in the pca um materials from the get-go do you do you think that it could be powerful for people of that status to to make that message known like you know to to say to people like look you know we need to make sure that this delineation is very clear because i think that there are a lot of people i mean there's only a very select number of people who hold the roles uh so you know on the same level as the people on that board versus the rest of the world and the rest of the world, you know, I see it a lot. It's there are these people who who subconsciously take in what they do on the professional entertainment level and say, that's how I should act at my, you know, kids little league game. And is 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 there anything that 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 could be done by those people to say, you know, I mean, it's I, I like like you said, it may maybe it sounds hypocritical as the do what I say, not what I do kind of a thing. But how do we educate people to that delineation? I guess is the is the eventual question. Well, I think it comes down to the what is the method for communicating it? You mm-hmm. know, we do talk about that. We have some our founder, Jim Thompson, has a video or or two out there was captured on video of him talking about the entertainment side of this versus the development side of this. There's on YouTube. Um a TED talk that he did that speaks to it nicely. Um, so there are, this messaging is, is out there. How do we get it to, I mean, there's a lot of people in our country. Yes. <laughs> so the, you know, PCA is 26 years old. So like we've been doing this for a quarter of a century now. Yeah. And yet we've, we're still only at the little sliver minority of people that we need to reach. Mm-hmm. Takes a village as someone once said. And yes. so like, we're going to do our part and, they're going to do their part, and hopefully, the message gets out to enough people. I yes, they people do need to hear that, mm-hmm. and we just have to find more avenues for that messaging to come across. Yeah, and I mean, I I'm sure that you face a lot of the same struggles that we face in that you you, you just you scratch the surface every time you think you made a, a a step forward. You're like, oh God, I still got a lot of work to do, you know. And it's 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 frustrating and yet empowering and, and invigorating at the same time. Um, and and 
definitely causes me to drink every now and then, but that's okay, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's I've been at PCA for a little over 12 years. There's still times as a coach where something will happen and, and it's I don't have an immediate reaction. I've been right. doing this for over 12 years. I've been coaching for over 20, and there's still time. Now, because of my affiliation with Positive Coaching Alliance, it almost adds pressure mm-hmm. because I know people know that I'm with Positive yep. Coaching Alliance. And they are looking to me as an example of modeling this. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, you know, the brain just starts going all sorts of different directions between like, what's right for the child? How's it? What are the optics of this? What What's the opportunity right now to, to teach people that might be watching because they want to learn and, you know, yeah, your brain starts freaking oh, absolutely. out a bit at times. Yeah, absolutely. Now, it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, you you have expressed pressure in this type of a situation and pressure obviously is something that that goes into a lot of the the relationship between coaches players etc uh even officials you know when you're when you're in that type of an, of an environment um do you see pressure as like either a privilege or is it is it you know a a, a weight that you that you want to get rid of like like how how would you or PCA or or the combination of two view pressure in terms of competition and its relationship to uh, the positive message? Yeah, again, you know, pressure is one of those words that could come from a lot of directions. If it's pressure within a game, a game situation, that sort of thing, then I would I you know I think it's generally safe to say that yes we would see that as a privilege Mm -hmm. Um, you know within that moment is there pressure on the kid with the ball in her hands it like is that pressure there because of the game situation is it there because she's doubting herself is it you know is it just the clock Uh, i got it it's like hot potato like what's causing the pressure would be always compelling to to try and dig in on but i think ultimately that kind of pressure i think is a fantastic opportunity for somebody to learn a lot about themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, honestly, like I was the kid in high school that got good grades as long as we're talking about reports and tests and stuff like that. But if you asked me to do an oral presentation, I might cut class for a week and take the F just to get out of it. Really? Because mm-hmm. of the pressure of um, judgment. Yeah. Fear of judgment. I'm mm-hmm. sure I wasn't being judged, but fear of judgment. Uh huh. Fast forward all these years later. I am now giving keynote speeches and getting in front of large groups of people because I've learned what to do in those moments. Mm-hmm. And so those moments are really important and we learn a lot in those moments. Now, if the pressure that they're feeling is coming from mom and dad, which could come from lots of different angles, even just from that one source, now maybe not a privilege. Yeah. <laughs> There's other issues and that comes to our, our parent workshops and resources mm-hmm. and you know, hopefully those kinds of things can help in those situations. Makes makes total sense. You know, we 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 have to reframe it in a way to say, you know, to 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 realize when it's a good thing, when it's a bad thing. And you know, I know personally, you know, I feel pressure in in certain situations, and you know that that's part of that's part of growth. It's part of learning more about yourself and and starting to say, okay, is this a good pressure? Or is this a bad pressure? And I and I'm like you, you know, the the fear of judgment was like you said in, in when I was growing up was was terrible and now you know I have no problem getting up on stage and playing jazz saxophone in front of yeah. whomever you know go ahead judge me I get paid that. you know so, I got to you got to let me know when you're performing I'd, Oh, I'd please I I'll, I'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll you'll get spammed like you have no idea with my dates right. um to kind of wrap things up how can people get involved and utilize the resources and services of PCA what's available to them 
what what can they bring to the to to their organizations to to maximize uh, what what you guys have to offer? Well, yeah, awesome. Thanks for asking that too. Um, well, a couple of things. One is low hanging fruit is a website called the Development Zone. So people can Google PCA Development Zone. It'll mm-hmm. take them right there. It's a it's a resource that's totally free. There's thousands of tools, video uh, excerpts and and book excerpts and blogs and um, PDFs and white papers on different topics and everything from you know really good sample youth coach high school coach job descriptions that include things that PCA would pay attention to that oftentimes employers previously did not when they made the job descriptions or clubs or whatever um, to mission statement type stuff to, Hey, I'm a parent coaching my own kid. That's tough. What can you, you know, what help can you provide? Right. There's just literally thousands of resources on there. So, and it's free. So I definitely would encourage people to go on there and poke around a little bit. And it's like WebMD. you enter the search term of what you're looking for and bam. Um, so that's definitely a good opportunity. Um, you know, the, 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 what we do out in the community organically is we form these partnerships again, youth, sport organizations, high schools, school districts, colleges, anything in that spectrum, we form partnerships. And through those partnerships, we'll build in a certain number of workshops, online workshops, Zoom workshops, face-to-face workshops, whatever. We'll talk through all those, you know, to make sure that it meets the needs of that partner. Could focus just on coaches. But again, we have parent workshops, athlete, board of directors. How do you, how are you looking for support this year Mm -hmm. within your season, off season, and so there's a lot of things that could be built into this partnership. And um, the idea behind that is, you know, it's a, it's renewable each year or, or you, people can go long-term right off the bat. But the idea is that really, if we want to affect culture, if we want to get sync into the coaching methodology of coaches, whether they're volunteer coaches, paid coaches, brand new to coaching, looking for an infrastructure, long time coach, that maybe is looking for a refresher or just historically, and this applies to a lot of people, they're good at the technical aspects of coaching, solid, comfortable, effective, but haven't spent a lot of time in their years thinking about things like empathy. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's little but important blanks that we can fill for very, very experienced coaches as well. And so certainly putting a partnership like that in place would be, very very impactful and something we'd love to talk with anybody out there about if they're interested in that doesn't matter the sport the age group it's gender like nothing none mm-hmm. of that matters it, this is psychology yeah carol dweck and joan duda and albert bandora and colleen hacker anybody that is kind of in that world of psychology will know these names they're legit you know psychologists who have contributed to a, a lot of our programming Mm-hmm. so the the program programming is going to be very universal and extremely impactful and so between the free resources the partnerships certainly follow us on social media pretty much all the platforms at positive coach us we're pretty active on social media a lot of times linking you to resources on the development zone and all just kind of circular here mm-hmm. yeah that's a good start is it is before we wrap i want to make sure i turn the floor over to you is there anything else that needs to be said that you need to promote plug any final thoughts anything that you know that 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 need you know we didn't cover um i just want to make sure that that you have the floor to get that out there 
Well, I appreciate that, man. We could this could be a really long podcast if you open up that door. So I won't quite bust through it, but I okay. will say that the fact that we're even talking about this kind of stuff is is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I hope people got something out of this. But at the end of the day, just clicking play on a podcast with a title that you know that draws them in, like how you play the game is drawing people in to listen to this. And that's Mm -hmm. because they probably have a growth mindset and they're curious and things like that. So I just love the fact that we're having this conversation and um, yeah, we're a nonprofit. So we have zero advertising budget. So if any of this kind of like struck a chord with anybody, you know, uh, please feel free to to reach out to us. Positivecoach.us or positivecoach.org is the, um, the web address. Um, And then my, you know, you could look me up and just filter things through me if you want, or there's a there's a page on there where you can fill out a form to request more information, and that'll be sent to the appropriate person to follow up with you. So that's the, that's absolutely wonderful, Jason. I I can't thank you enough for for being with me today. Um, you know, all of us at OSIP, we we're behind you 100, percent and whatever we can do as an organization to support PCA and likewise and vice versa, it's you know, it's, it's, we, we're, we're on board. So make sure that, you know, we stay in touch and, uh, wherever we can help, don't, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, you know, cause, cause we all, we're, we're all in this together. It's not a competition. You know, we're all, we're all allies as, as nonprofits trying to achieve the same change in culture. So, uh, again, thank you for, for, for taking the time today and, um, hope to, hope to talk to you again soon. Sounds great. I look forward to it. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Jason. Once again, everybody, uh, check out positivecoach.org. Uh, did I get that right? You did. Oh, thank God. Okay. That means I was listening. That's a good thing. Yes, yep. Uh, and also osafoundation.org, um, podcast at osafoundation.org, facebook.com slash osafoundation, Twitter and Instagram at osafoundation, hashtag how you play the game. Uh, we will talk to everybody in just a few short weeks. So everybody take care. And until then, treat each other with respect. How You Play the Game is a production of the OSIP Foundation, Incorporated. The producer-engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by SoundSpring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osipfoundation.org.